Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This episode is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, an audit analytics service provider that works with internal audit departments that have data analysts and are still frustrated with trying to make analytics actually work, aren't getting the expected ROI, who can't break through the communication barrier between the analysts and the audit team, and those that need experienced direction for an audit analytics strategy and process. Those that feel like they've wasted time and money on trainings, aren't getting the value they want, not prioritizing the highest risk areas for the organizations, or have projects that seemingly never get completed. Do you deal with any of that? If you do, go to the show notes of this episode and click the Green Skies Analytics link or go to greenskiesanalytics.com to schedule a call and understand how Green Skies Analytics makes analytics actually work for internal audit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Audit Podcast. Before we jump into today's guest, who is actually speaking at the Audit Analytics Conference, I did want to mention the Audit Analytics Conference. It's on October 11th and 12th. We have over 19 different speakers, 16 plus CPEs. The event is all virtual and it is largely comprised of your peer audit analytics practitioners. So aside from a Chris, like we have on our guest today, the majority of folks that speak at the conference are audit analytics professionals. Um, They are your peer group and their goal for each session is to show you how to actually do something with data or with tech. If you want to check out the full lineup that includes our guest on the show today, Chris Chin, then follow the link in the show notes where you can also register for the conference. Okay, on to today's guest. Today we have Chris Chin on the show. He's previously worked in data, uh, anything from data journalism, data science, data visualization, business intelligence, and everything in between. And although Chris's background is data, obviously, The context that I want you to think about when we talk about data visualizations and dashboards and things like that isn't the technical aspects. We don't talk about the technical data backend stuff that comes with this. We're really talking about thinking of the context of audit reports and how you can work in data visualizations there, some tips and tricks for doing that and how to build those, how to tell the story using the data, as well as audit committee reports, any kind of report uh, that I know a lot of folks feel like is internal audits actual product is the report think about it how can we apply what chris is talking about to those reports those products those audit committee decks a couple of things that we hit on is the biggest mistake people make when they're developing a data visualization tools that chris uses and recommends for building data visualizations uh dashboard specifically what are people doing wrong when they develop their dashboards for those that don't know most of the time dashboards are built and never used we've seen it in evidenced in log activity who's logging in to use the dashboards and a lot of times they are not being used by the people that they're built for so we talk about issues when developing dashboards practical takeaways that you the listeners can uh, run with after listening to the show and then in addition to the data visualization piece that chris is a really really great coach on He also coaches folks just on their presentation skills in general. For the most part, he works with data people, data engineers, data scientists, et cetera, who might build these great and wonderful dashboards or data visualizations, but then just basically eat it when it comes to presenting those. 
and it'll feel like there's value there. Again, if we look at it from our audit perspective, there's probably a lot of us who have a great and wonderful audit report but then when it comes to presenting those findings, we might lack the confidence or really even the know-how on how to present those findings or the insights, the report itself. And so we talk about how Chris helps folks do that as well. All right, here we go. If there was one thing that you see when you coach people, work with people on data visualizations that you're like, ah, the, like, 90% of the time people get this wrong. What what would that be? What's a, a common mistake or maybe even the biggest mistake people make when they are creating a data visualization? I would say the most noticeable mistake perhaps would be use of color. I find that very often in data visualizations, they're made to be very colorful, often with the purpose of that being to make it as visually appealing as possible to the audience. And I made this mistake very early on in my data career. I created initially a dashboard with tons of very colorful visualizations. I presented it to my manager and he said to me, you need to tone down the colors because it's way too colorful. I thought, how could it be too colorful? It just had four colors on it. I think it was yellow, green, blue, and orange. And he said, it would be much more effective if you just use two colors, just gray, let's say, as the background color, the default, and then one single brighter color to highlight the important insights. And I said, wow, it took me a while to get into that mindset, to respect the fact that less colors means more information. Okay. But as soon as I started implementing that more, I realized how much more effective that approach is. If it's so colorful and dazzles your eyes, there's no way you can easily see what's important. But as soon as you tone it down, just use one important color, then in one glance, you can tell exactly what you need to do based on the data. Yeah. If, if we put a rule around it, and even with the data vis visualizations I do, there's I feel like there's some rules that you can, you know, kind of follow like that. So like gray out what doesn't matter, kind of push it to the back, bring forward the color of what, where you want the eyes to go, that kind of stuff. And so, but there, there's obviously within those rules, I'm always like, you can totally break these. Like, you know, yeah. you don't have to follow it uh, to a T, but if we establish some kind of rule on for the listeners who are maybe, you know, they're putting a, a visualization together, what would you say? Like, Hey, if you start to get to like more than three colors, consider backing off of that or like max four colors ever or something to that degree? What would it, or would you just say two? My recommendation would be to try to stick to two as much as you can. And it's uh, to your point, having gray as the default and then one brighter color like blue as the indicator of what's important. So here I'm presenting two different graphs. Option A has the original. The title is John has the most groceries, the least seats. And you can see all of the data being presented in all of these different colors. That is bad data visualization practice because there are so many colors on the page and so many categories, it's very hard to see the message at all. But when you look at option B, what happens is I aggregated up those categories. So all of the fruits became blue, all the vegetables became orange, and all the seeds became gray. And now the story stands out. John, I can see that has the longest bar, has the most groceries, and he has the least seeds which is in gray. So when you have data visualizations, it's very important to think about, do I need to show all of the information or is it okay if I aggregated it up and make the message more clear? That's another general rule I recommend for pie charts, for example, if you have them. Try to keep the number of categories to no more than five is my usual recommendation. If you have more than that, since you have to have a different color for every slice, it becomes way too 
rainbow looking. Yeah. If you keep it to around five, with let's say five max different colors, then it's reasonably enough toned down so that I can identify what each category represents and what I should pay attention to. Okay. So I, when I talk about data visualizations, the title that I use is something like show me the data unless it's a pie chart. And so that's <laughs> why I'm glad you mentioned pie charts. There yeah. is like such hatred and people can search for this, uh, like pull up Google, you can search for it. Why not pie charts or something like, or pie chart hatred or something like that if you want to. And I feel like we're probably going to swing back. Like everybody hates pie charts uh, and for good reason, but I feel like soon enough, there's going to be this swing back where there's going to be like, no, pie charts are, you know, just somebody to go against the grain, basically. Uh, but anyway, speak to pie charts a little bit. Why within the data visualization community, there's such a deep, deep hatred for pie charts and donut charts, which is kind of the right. sister of the pie chart. There is such a deep and often hilarious <laughs> hatred of pie charts on LinkedIn and all these kinds of data viz communities. And the reason for that is they're not optimal for making comparisons. So if you have a pie chart with a bunch of slices, it's very hard often to compare one slice against another because they're not aligned. They're all protruding from this center focal point. But if you imagine a bar chart, everything's aligned to one common baseline, either horizontally or vertically. It's very easy to compare bars against each other when they're aligned in that way. For a pie chart, on the other hand, there's no alignment. And our human perception is better oriented around comparing heights versus angles and all the things that a pie chart forces us to use. The curvature so, of the, the circle. The curvature, yeah. exactly. So my recommendation is try to use bar charts as much as you can. I personally don't hate pie charts. I find them to be very useful because a lot of people love using them, love seeing them. And if you have less than five categories, if let's say you have, it's very clear one category is dominant, so there's a huge slice and that's your story, that's fine. They're very good for showing parts of a whole. Mm -hmm. And if that's the message you want to convey, then they can be useful for that. Okay. And then you, you want to put them from lowest to highest in terms of order. So you don't want like 10% and then 60% as the next slice, et cetera. Uh, exactly. kind of general. And then do you recommend with with pie charts putting in either the percentage or the number that's represented, like having that as a call out somewhere or you know, stating like, hey, this this one is 10%. How, do you, how would you approach that? And obviously all situations are a little bit different, but as a general right. rule. My general rule is, especially if you adhere to the recommendation to use five categories or less, label each of the slices. It's yeah. very easy to do that if there are a few, because then nobody has to figure out what they each represent. You just tell it to them. So for me, simplicity in that way is usually the best approach. Yeah. There was a, there's a website and I forget what it's called, but you could, people can can look it up, but it was something like terriblecharts.com or something like that. Yeah, I believe it. And I was scrolling through and I saw this pie chart and it reminded me of like one of the first data visualizations I'd ever built. Um, and it was a pie chart, of course, and it had like 200 categories. One category was significantly larger than the rest. So it was like 10% of the population was this one category and then 199 or whatever represented whatever, less than 1%. And so I, that's what I was kind of trying to show. Um, and so like I sent it off and whoever was like, yep, this will work. 10 years later, I was looking at this website and I promise you like the exact same scenario. <laughs> like I was scrolling through it and I was like, 
that's my pie chart from 10 years. And I looked at it and it's like, okay, that's not mine. But I went, the one, like one of the first ones I ever made was so terrible that it made it effectively to a terrible piecharts.com or whatever it was. So people love talking tools. What are the tools that you use for creating data visualizations? I currently use Excel, but previous to this, I used Tableau and Power BI, which are typically the industry standards for data visualization. My recommendation though, for anyone who wants to get into the field is to also get used to just using plain pen and paper at okay. first. My, the reasoning behind that is if you do it on pen and paper, it frees you from the limitations of the tool you're using. When I worked in Tableau, I often found myself thinking in terms of Tableau, how it orients you around the screen, how it makes you create charts. Same thing for Power BI. When you write on pen and paper, it frees you from all those constraints. Suddenly you can imagine anything you want. You can, can say, okay, this could be the chart here. This could be the chart there on my dashboard and you can create it just as you envision. So my recommendation would be think about using pen and paper as an alternative. And whatever tool that you end up choosing, make sure to adhere to those principles we've been talking about so far, which is just keeping things as simple as possible, not overcrowding with too much information. Um, I like the pen and paper idea. If nothing else, I know I've gotten bitten by, I'm going to create this thing in Tableau. It's going to be great and wonderful. And then I would go show it to whoever needed it. And they would go, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. Yeah. This should be here. This should be here. I don't like the color. Um, and so if nothing else, just almost as like a wireframe with a pen and paper, just kind of sketch it out and go, this is basically what it's going to look like. Color scheme will be different uh, in all likelihood, but is this oh, this layout okay? And that'll save yourself a lot of time. Uh, is that something you've experienced also? Absolutely. I found it was really useful to create those wireframes beforehand, not just on pen and paper. If you want a more, I guess, high-tech version of that, it would be creating the wireframe in a tool like Figma, for example. And those tools let you drag all the lines together just to create what it would look like. And when I was creating dashboards, I found stakeholders really enjoyed this approach because then they could see how it would look. And it would cost me very little effort to put that together. If they wanted things shifted around, I don't have to change the data or sh change too much in the back end. I can just change how it looks in the wireframe. So wireframing is absolutely a great way to save time and effort in the early stages. I do want to talk about dashboards. But before that, I want to, just to make sure like everybody's on the same page that's listening and that you and I are also, how would you, would you differentiate between like definition wise between a dashboard and a data visualization? I usually think of it like this, a dashboard being a collection of data visualizations okay. and the data visualization just being a single, for okay. example, chart. Perfect. Okay. So that's how I kind of think about it also. So with dashboards then. And I, I also would say for data visualizations, I usually don't think of them as being something that is interactive. Like to me, it's mm -hmm. usually you build it, there's kind of like the screenshot or the picture of it and that's it. You can't filter or do anything with it, but teach their own, like that, that doesn't really matter. Um, except for the sake of what we're talking about. So what about dashboards? What mistakes do you see people make most often who are developing dashboards? When it comes to dashboards, they're usually structured with a lot of data visualizations in them. And similar to the pitfall we've been discussing so far about data visualization, where there's just too much in one chart, for example, that's a pitfall I often see in dashboards. There's just too much in one place. And the purpose of a dashboard is to help someone make a better decision. I think it's sometimes easy to forget that ultimate purpose. For 
an executive looking at a dashboard. They need to look at it and say, okay, what decision do I need to make based on these numbers? Mm-hmm. Rather than the perspective we often take as analysts creating the dashboards, which is just create a lot of visualizations to show what's going on. People need, I like to think of it like this. We as analysts, we try to make sense of the data, but for the people we present it to, they need it to make sense to them. Mm-hmm. We need to go from that exploratory phase to that explanation phase for them. And dashboards are great for doing that when done well, when they're not too overcrowded with information. Perfect. And there's a lot of obviously different ways to show data, bar charts, pie charts, tons of different ways, waterfall, some really creative uh, for those that are interested if, if they look into tableaus, iron vis, competitions and things like that. And they'll do a visualization of the week and all those kinds of great things. And it's, I mean, beautiful. Uh, you know, I've, I've looked at a lot of them and it's like, man, this is beautiful. And then I'll look at it and go, I don't know what it's telling me though. You know, <laughs> it yes. looks great, but I really don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. Um, so with that said, I feel like some folks might look at if they, especially if they go look at all, all those and go, this is way too complicated. I can't do this. Do you have some like one-on-one level basic type visualizations that you go, look, no, it's fine. Everybody knows how to do bar charts. Just do Nothing. stick with bar chart or something like, do you have like a go-to, a simple one that people can, um, kind of start with and feel comfortable with going like, nope, this is okay. Chris said it's okay to use this. I have two recommendations for that. Just two charts that would be go-tos. Bar charts, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, very well known. General audiences, not technical stakeholders, all know bar charts typically. Use them for categorical data. The other one, the second recommendation would be line charts. Everybody, general audiences, not technical stakeholders, all know line charts very well use them for time series data. And that categorical data and temporal data covers pretty much the whole gamut of things you encounter. So bar charts and line charts, you can get away with just using them for the vast majority of use cases. That's my belief. Nice. I agree. And I like that you said other people have seen them so they know how to read them. That was like, I used to feel like an idiot. I would see a visualization and be like, I don't know what this is trying to say. Like, I must be the dumb one. And then as I learned more about data visualizations, I was like, no, it's that guy's fault to put it together. Like, it should be super simple. And we all know bar charts. We all know line charts. And we all know, I I, I would add tables to the list. Uh, We all know, like, we've seen those since we were kids. And so it's easy to look at it and very quickly interpret the results of that. So I'm glad that you uh, hit on that also. All right. What about if there's one practical piece of advice that you could give to the listeners? Hey, you're creating data visualizations. Um, You're working on multiple audits. There's multiple audit reports. There's audit committee reporting, things like that. So there's all these various scenarios. What's one practical kind of takeaway you could give them? One practical takeaway would be think about one thing you can take away from your visualization. My belief is that It's not about the more things you add to the visual. It's about what you can take away that can enhance it. Maximize what you already have and take away what doesn't serve the purpose of the visual. I was working, for example, with a client on some data visualizations for their quarterly presentation. And they were, to a lot of things we've been saying, they were very complicated. They had a lot of information. And I said, think about one thing you can take away from this visual to make it more effective. He thought about it for a while. And he said, well, I could take away some color perhaps. Every single bar in his bar chart was a different color. And I said, does it need to be that way? He said, I guess it doesn't really need to be that way. It just kind of was that way because the tool, that was the default color palette, the mm-hmm. tool was just a different color for every bar. 
And I said, well, you could get away with just making them the same color, just all blue, for example. And you would lose no information. In fact, it probably would be more clear because now we're not distracted looking at all the different colors. Another recommendation that I gave to him for a different chart, I said, look at this dual axis chart being a chart with some bars and some lines simultaneously, all in one place. And I said, what is something you could take away from this one chart? And he thought about it for a little bit. And he said, well, I guess I could take away the line. And I said, yes, if you take away the line and you just have the bars there, there's one message for the viewer to see. <laughs> I typically strongly dislike dual axis charts, perhaps even more than pie charts, because <laughs> there's just often so much going on in them. You have two y-axes with different scales, bars on one side, lines on the other, and it's very hard for typically non-technical audiences to understand what's going on. It's better often, in my opinion, and what I've seen for a lot of the clients I work with, a lot more effective for their audiences, to separate it out. One chart for the bar data that you're trying to visualize, one chart for the line data. You can superimpose them vertically or horizontally, mm -hmm. so it's easy to see the trends side by side. And it's instantly easy to understand because you chunk out the information. So it's easy to digest. Yeah. You mentioned the default, like he said, oh, I just stuck to those colors because that was the default. Have you ever seen where the default, like, let's just stick with Excel, where whatever yeah. the default is in Excel, you go, yep, that looks good. I would say the white background that they have for the charts typically is a good default. <laughs> Other than that, I usually recommend that people pay attention to those defaults yeah, and make sure that everything that's present on your visual, you purposefully chose. Not It was just not left there by the tool, but for the font, for the color, the title, make sure you have chosen everything and that it all has its place in the message you want to tell. Yeah, I agree. The default is always terrible. All right, if you could, relative to data visualizations, if you could grab everybody in the world by the shoulders and shake them and say, relative to data visualizations, just do this one thing, what would that be? It would be to improve the titles and of visualizations. What I've often seen is speaking to the idea of defaults. People often leave the default title in their chart, which is sales by category in 2020, for example. Yeah. That tells me what's going on in the chart. It doesn't tell me why it matters to me. It doesn't tell me what action I need to take based on that visual. Leaving the default title, just a descriptive title about what's going on, is not helpful. What is more helpful is an explanatory title that says, sales decreased 50% last month because of X, Y, and Z. If you tell me why it's important, just from the title, I instantly know why I should pay attention to the visual itself. Yeah. Um, is there a, speaking further to that process, is there a question kind of that you could ask yourself when you're creating the title? So something like, so what? You know, like if you have the title, look mm. at it and ask yourself, okay, so, and then answer that question or looking at the visualization itself and going, okay, as a title, I should probably ask myself, like, why does this graph even matter? Or or some kind of process that folks can follow. Because I agree, the title is, is hugely important. Um, or make it a call to action type of thing. Do you have advice yeah. on, again, how to make that title better for the person that's looking at it? My recommendation to make it even easier than thinking about what kind of explanatory title should I put is starting off with what business question am I answering with this graph? Okay. And just put that as the title to start off. 
Perhaps it's why did sales decrease last month? That's a good starting point. And then as you continue to explore and analyze the data, maybe you have the answer to that, and then you can adjust the title to reflect that message. But always, always, I recommend know the business question you're answering for this visual. Don't just visualize the data for the sake of it, but understand what purpose is my analysis serve. And so that's a, a big piece of what you do, data visualizations, dashboarding design, things like that. But then you also coach people on, okay, that's great. We have the thing built. It looks great and wonderful. Eyes go where they need to go. Stories being told that we want them to know or that they want to know. Uh, but then you also help people in general with just their presentation skills. So, yep, we have the deck. It's perfect. Now <laughs> we have to go present the deck. So there's two right. pieces to it. How do, you, how do you help people in that manner and how do you increase their confidence? Because everyone probably gets a little bit nervous at some point in okay. presenting that. What I found working in the data industry was there's often so much technical training out there, training for all these data viz tools we use, but rarely if ever is there training for data visualization and even more rarely if ever is there training for how to present any of this to begin with to anybody. I currently run a data storytelling online course. And one person who signed up said to me, they're currently in a graduate program for yeah. business analytics. They know absolutely 100% how to move data from one database to another, transform it, analyze it. At no point in their program now or into the future, are they going to cover stakeholder management, how to talk to people, how to talk about the data? And I said, that is a huge pitfall. They're not setting you up for success you need in the field if you don't know how to do that. That last mile visualizing and then verbally presenting on the data itself is crucial to not only telling people why it's important, what they should do, but elevating your own status in your organization. Nothing beats being a great speaker and being respected in the workplace for making your ideas clear and concise. And what I decided to do this year was start my own business focusing on good data presentation. I help data professionals one-on-one -on -one through coaching, also through this online course and also through company workshops, understand how to visualize their data well. And then after that point, how to present it well. What kind of stories can we tell? What kind of message can we convey? What audience are we speaking to? How do we persuade? How do we motivate and inspire? Those are the things I think will set up any technical professional, any professional in any domain for success in their field. Absolutely agree. And through no surprise, so for those that don't follow Chris on LinkedIn, you absolutely should uh, hit up his email newsletter also. I know we get bombarded with newsletters, um, and most of them are just kind of informational, and you go, yeah, okay, that's great. Uh, Chris's are very, this is exactly how you do this, um, or why you should do this. And it's very tactical. So it's, it's, it's not, hey, I'm going to scare you to death on why you should do this necessarily, but it is very, this is exactly how you can do this. Very tip friendly, I would say. And so I wasn't surprised at all that during the conversation, you were like, dude, this is how you do it. And this is how you do it. And this is, you know, you told us how to actually do it. So always appreciate those. I just start to wrap up again. LinkedIn info is in the show notes. So be sure to follow Chris there, go to his website, uh, sign up for the newsletter so you can get those. I don't know the cadence. It seems like at least once a week. There's once a, a week. Yeah. Newsletter. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is actually how I came across Chris was through LinkedIn. And after a while of just seeing like, here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. Here's how you go. Okay. We got to get this guy on. Um, 
And so anyway, all that to say, thanks a ton for for what you do, what you shared with us today. And I did I want to give you the last few minutes here. Um, what what do you want to leave the audience with as we shut it down? I think a great theme in our conversation so far has been really pay attention to the small details things. I think for us as people who analyze and work with data, we get lost often in the weeds. But it's important to pay attention to the small details because when you accumulate all those small details up, they add up to a great full picture. As an example, in verbal communication, if you were to talk about data and let's say you have a graph with a horizontal line across, if you were to say that trend is flat, or if you said that trend stayed the same, or if you said that trend is steady, there's a very different subtle nuance in the connotation of each of those. If I say it's flat, that may come up as negative. If I say it stayed the same, nobody really cares. If I say it was steady, then people think, okay, there's maybe a little bit of a positive nuance there. We're doing well because it's steady. Paying attention to those small words, every single word you choose, and in data visualization, every single element that you choose purposefully. We talked before about the importance of not just accepting defaults. Make sure that every small detail in your visual, from the title to the font, to the color, to the choice of the chart type itself, is chosen by you purposefully because small details really matter. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.